Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I am your host today, Erica, and joining me in the virtual studio is Doug, and behind the scenes is Damien. Hello. So welcome, everyone, for another interesting, informative, and hopefully not stressful and anxiety-inducing show today. Um, today, we're going to talk about anxious, breathe. <laughs> and um, what kind of got me thinking about this is that there was an article from the Daily Skeptic back in May about uh, the anxiety pandemic. And this article is talking about how it was created by SAGE's Project Fear, which SAGE is an organization in the UK. And um, Basically, if you're interested, I would recommend reading through the article, but it just talks a lot about anxiety and how the pandemic and fear has really kind of accentuated this issue with people having anxiety much more than, say, before 2020. And just so our listeners um, have kind of some background on this, there was a lot of really worrying statistics about anxiety prior to 2020 with uh, the worldwide anxiety epidemic in 2017, according to the WHO, was 264 million people. Um, so we were already dealing with a lot of anxious people pre-COVID-1984, but now... Um, Anxiety is just going through the roof, and um, there's some statistics due to COVID. Uh, American adults, there's a 53% have claimed that their mental health has been negatively affected. Uh, people shel sheltering in place, uh, higher levels of stress and worry, up to 50%. And anxiety disorders affect more than 40 million adults a year. Uh, well, one and then one, it. Sorry, I just on. wanted to say one one thing that the article is pointing out is that Sage was actually deliberately using fear to try and get compliance out of people. You know, try and get compliance for lockdowns, for vaccine uptake, for wearing masks, all that kind of thing. They chose um, to try and scare the population into doing those things. So, right. like you're saying, Erica, there was already. Um, a problem with, you know, anxiety amongst the population before any of this. But the fact that they would deliberately try and spread that to try and get compliance for social measures that they decided were beneficial, well, beneficial to who, but right. um, yeah, so yeah, I just wanted to point that out. No, and it's it's interesting because you would think that um, SAGE is an organization of colleagues that are psychologists that they would, that's completely antithesis to what their purpose, their job is, is mm -hmm. to try and help people, Yeah. right? Not encourage more anxiety. And um, for this show, we're gonna stay away from all the drugs that are being prescribed to people for anxiety, being pharmaceutical drugs, um, psychoactive, benzodiazepines, major one, but, um, we're going to offer suggestions to people on how you can combat anxiety or at least deal with it appropriately without the use of drugs. And um, 
so the sage article was more to just kind of show how people are anxious and how fear can cause anxiety and how people's anxiety uh, sometimes they don't have a uh, kind of a baseline for where it's coming from and this article really explains that as Doug was talking about that that people were being manipulated to uh, be more anxious and then when you're more anxious you don't think properly and you don't act critically and you you know from there decisions are made so um, we're here to offer solutions today a few solutions and um one of the things that I found most interesting recently was a book written by James Nestor called Breathe, and I have it here, and it's called The New Science of a Lost Art, and this gentleman is a journalist, and he's written a lot of different stuff. This was his real first foray into breathing practices and um, he did a lot of uh, research, met with a lot of doctors, met with Wim Hof, uh, met with a lot of different people that he interviewed for this book. So it's very kind of um, information driven. You can listen to it on the audio book. But for me, I'm a yoga teacher. I've been teaching yoga for about 15 years. So these kinds of books really fascinate me because the information in there is very old and there's, you know, especially in the yogic tradition, but now there's actually studies and science being done on the benefits of proper breathing. And um, in his book, he has over 500 references and he kind of used himself as a guinea pig in this whole experiment on how to breathe properly to get major health benefits. So um, hence the inspiration for us talking about it today. And one of the things that he talked about a lot in the book and that you may know just from being a human who breathes every day is that most people are mouth breathers and about, he says anywhere from 20% of the, 20 to 50% of the population um, breathe through their mouth right? And that this causes major health problems, hence why we're doing this for the show, right? He's saying neurological, respiratory, snoring, sleep apnea, metabolic disorders. And he talks a lot about the importance of nostril breathing, um, that it's an organ to breathe through your nose, and that it can actually change the structure of your face. And so he goes into a lot of that with it really neat stuff about human skulls and how uh, we've changed over the years and how our breathing is essentially killing us slowly because we're not doing it properly. And um, I didn't know any of this stuff about the, the, the nostril breathing issues um, in yogic training, at least in the training I did, all our practices were done breathing in and out through the nose. And that's what they call ujjayi pranayama, victorious breath. So the mouth is closed and you breathe in and out of your nose. And that could take years to master. It's not easy, but the health effects are amazing. Um, not to mention the calming of your brain and body, but also reduction in inflammation. I mean, there's endless benefits 
to breathing in and out of your nose, but it's challenging for people, especially if they have health issues, deviated septum, chronic allergies, whatnot. So this James Nestor did a whole little experiment on himself with another gentleman and they walk you through the whole thing where they block their nostrils for 10 days and tested their blood work, you know, their physical performance, their emotional well-being, and they rapidly declined. Like it was pretty almost overnight um, when you're not breathing through your nose, like all the different health issues that arise. And so, yeah, I mean, there's just so much to cover. (laughs) Sorry if I'm getting in the weeds. It's just uh, really fascinating stuff. So, As a teacher who works with people, the first thing to do is to actually teach people about how to breathe. And that's always kind of a funny say, well, I'm going to teach you how to breathe today. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I've I've been breathing most of my life, but (laughs) what we call conscious breathing. So being aware of your inhalation, exhalation, that's a good start. Um, also the importance of belly breathing. So breathing with the diaphragm and, and Doug and I are both aerolis breathing teachers. So one of the first things when we would teach these types of classes is you notice that people are chest breathers, right? They, they breathe with the, the chest both of the time. You can see the, the rib cage going up and down and to teach people to breathe with their diaphragm, which is how babies breathe. It's how puppies breathe. It's how humans were meant to breathe originally before we grew up and we're worried about breathing with our belly, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that's changed, but getting people to A, be conscious of their breath and B, practice deep breathing with the belly. So anyone that's a singer or a musical instrument, wind instrument player, tuba, trombone, all those things, they know how to breathe with their diaphragm because they're trained in their singing and music classes to do so. So we always recommend people practice belly breathing. If this is new to you, lay on your back, put something like a book or a block on your belly and watch your diaphragm go up and down. And it takes practice. You have to literally retrain your body not to breathe rapidly with the upper chest all the time, but to slow your breathing down. And another aspect of EE breathing is counting your inhalations and your exhalations. So most people are going through life essentially panting, right? (laughs) In and out through the mouth and they're rapidly breathing. And um, to be able to switch that and to count inhale for a set amount of time, maybe six to eight seconds and the exhale, becomes equal or even a little bit longer of an exhalation. So those types of things. And again, it takes practice. We all know, I mean, for those that are listening and watching right now, you may be listening to this and you're panting and you're breathing through the mouth because it's automatic, because you're kind of going into that mode where you're not really paying attention to what's happening with your breathing. So for me as a, as an instructor, those are the kind of the two basic foundations of how to get people to become aware of whether or not they're breathing in and out through the nose or the mouth, and then whether or not they're using their diaphragm to do that breathing. From there, it goes into unlimited realms. I mean, we've all heard about 
you know, Kriya breathing, chanting, um, you know, Tumo, which is wind hops, how to do the cold therapy by proper. I mean, there's endless, there's endless practices of breathing and they're very old and successful for people for a reason, right? It's how you can control your system for optimal performance. That's kind of what I share with people and how, you know, like the yogis will say, we don't measure life in years, we measure life in breaths. And so then the next component is slowing down your breathing and breathing less with more efficiency. So, yeah, I know I kind of got, I, I mean, I have endless notes here where to go with this. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, one thing you were talking about that I, I, I always found very interesting is that people have actually seemingly forgotten how to breathe and like you said there's not necessarily one reason for that but i I know that a lot of it yeah i think some of it probably is that kind of self-conscious don't want the belly to kind of stick out when they're breathing but i think that it also like it, it there's a lot of kind of emotional components to it like for some reason the diaphragm gets i don't know atrophied or or, or lazy or something like that and, you know, people, when they're chest breathing, I mean, that's, that's anxious breathing, right? That's like it, it automatically, if you start doing chest breathing, you will kind of right away kind of feel that fight or flight system kind of starting to kick in. But I mean, you, we were never meant to, to breathe that way all the time. I mean, with upper body breathing, like chest breathing or something, you're using all these kind of like intercostal muscles to, to expand the lungs. And those muscles weren't meant to do that. They were you know, they're, they're, that's not why they're there. So it's really using an inefficient way of breathing. It's like the diaphragm is this huge muscle and that's, it's one purpose is to kind of bring, you know, to go down and pull the lungs down so that they can fill with air. And to not use that is, it's like, we weren't given an instruction manual on how to use these bodies that we've got. Um, right. <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of understandable that we start using them all wrong, but this is kind of one fundamental way that we can start using it right again. And like you were saying, Erica, I mean, the, the, the benefits are like infinite. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing how much you can do just by breathing properly. Right. And it is a practice. So even you know, for us that have gone through these trainings and worked with people, like you're in a car, somebody cuts you off and you automatically start, you know, like you said, like hyperventilating or breathing rapidly. And like all these things are happening in your brain and with your hormone system and everything. And it's that quickly, it kind of spirals out of control. So what we're offering and what this work and many other uh, people who've written on this topic is that if you can kind of catch yourself in those moments and start to breathe deeply in through your nose, down into your diaphragm and either out through your mouth or out through your nose within three to four minutes, you will have a complete shift in, in your entire system. One of the things that's interesting is uh, we have an epidemic of high blood pressure, in, at least in the United States. I'm not sure about the rest of the world, but um, you can reduce your blood pressure within three to four minutes with practicing 
proper breathing techniques. Now, you know, doctors don't tell you this, uh, people are on blood pressure medication and, you know, so we're turning to medical people to give us something that we have innately within, with, within us. But as you said, Doug, we haven't been taught that. Now, I will say the popular, popularity of teaching children these types of breathing modalities is becoming more wide use, especially with behavior issues, uh, hyperactivity, and even anxiety levels being epidemic in children. Right. So when we when I used to be a second grade teacher, we would teach the kids smell the flowers, blow out the candle, smell the flowers, blow out the candle. And right now, this summer, I am working with kids at kids camp teaching yoga and breathing. And it's amazing how receptive children are to this. They know it's almost like intuitively they know how to do it. You just have to remind them you know, cause they're like seven and eight, you know, so they haven't totally lost it. But if we could teach kids and us as adults learn at a very young age, how to use our breath to regulate our emotional system, um, I think we'd all be a lot better off, you know? And uh, as, as this James Nestor talks about in this book, so much of our health epidemics could be changed by just teaching people pro proper breathing. One of them he talks a lot about is asthma. So asthmatics tend to have that uh, fear, that anxiety of not having enough air. So they constantly hyperventilate because their mind is telling them they don't have enough air. But if asthmatics were to be taught through proper you know, coaches and whatnot, that they may be able to reduce their um, issues with asthma, allergies, and, and things like that. So again, as we talk about a lot on this show, breathing's free. It doesn't cost anything. I would say stay away from a lot of those charlatan breathing people and just kind of go to the to the, the deeper research. And um, you know what I mean? Because everyone's different. Everyone has a different... Um, you know, background. And some people do have like deviated septum, as I was saying, or chronic nostril congestion, congestion, things like that. So every, everyone's a little bit different. Got some barking going on in the background there. So yeah, um, like Erica mentioned before, I um, was uh, a teacher of um, the EE program, which is Aereolus. It's um, a Gaelic term. Um, and we're going to include the link in the um, in the description here so that people can find that program. But um, it's been a couple of years since I've taught it, actually. But uh, one thing that I can say for sure is that the, the belly breathing in particular really is um, something that can actually help people a lot. Because, you know, when you're doing the actual breathing program or whatever program you're doing, whatever breathing exercises you're doing, um, you, while you're doing it, you know, you can have a lot of these benefits, but the belly breathing is something that you actually take into the real world. You know, that's something that while you're kind of going about your daily life and everything like that, you can come back to the breath and kind of come back to making sure that you're actually breathing properly. Is my belly actually expanding as I'm breathing as it's supposed to? Um, or am I holding it in? Am I tense in my gut? 
um, I don't know how many times that I've uh, been doing something and I kind of start paying attention and I realize that I'm holding my breath. You know, it's actually when you're doing something difficult or something physical or something like that, a lot of times we like kind of brace for something by holding our breath. And that's actually the opposite of what we should be doing. We should be continuing to breathe with the belly, um, getting great big lungfuls of air. Um, you know, yeah. So. I was going to say something. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't want to like cut you off. To. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. I just took that big breath. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Also, too, after you kind of get that diaphragmatic belly breathing down, you know, and it starts to become more natural, like you talked about, like especially in stressful situations, then not needing to breathe as much, right? So that big inhalation and exhalation, you take a lot less breaths in a minute or an hour or a day. And it um, you, you start to conserve air a little bit more and then get more out. And what's fascinating this breathe book is this gentleman has interviewed free divers. So people that dive to great depths and can hold their breath for seven or eight minutes. I mean, that's a lot. That's a long time. And just the, the benefits of all the benefits of breath retention, they call it like holding the breath and um, all the different things it does for your cells as far as oxygenation. And so it's, it's a, like I said before, it's a lifelong practice, but once you kind of get the belly breathing down from there, I mean, the world is your oyster. You can start to experiment with just breathing in and out through the nose. You know, I mean, he talked about specifically for people that have snoring issues and sleep apnea to, um, put a little piece of tape over your mouth at night before you go to bed and see um, if sleeping that way, you don't get, you know, the sleep apnea or the snoring. And to, again, practice that it takes time. It's like building a muscle and it's not like you're suffocating yourself. You know what I mean? You're just building that that nasal cavity. And there's so many benefits of just breathing through the, the nose. It, it humidifies the air, you get more oxygen. It defends your body against viruses and bacteria. Um, the lungs can actually absorb more oxygen. And, and so there's just, there is, again, we're just not taught the importance of breathing through the nose. Well, the mouth taping actually is really um, interesting. And I've talked to a couple of people who have been doing it. Um, because the thing is, uh, like, you know, you say, oh, yeah, so you can stop snoring. And people don't really think much of that. It's kind of like, well, you know, I don't really care that much if I snore. It's no big deal. But the thing is, like, you have to realize that if you are snoring, uh, especially if you've got like sleep apnea, um, you're not getting a proper night's sleep. So a lot mm -hmm. of the benefits of doing the mouth taping is that you are going to get a proper night's sleep. I mean, sleep, not getting a proper night's sleep is a chronic problem, like epidemic levels. People just don't sleep properly. And this is one way that you can kind of ensure that you are at least, you know, it's, it's taking a, a step in the right direction at the very least um, to make sure that you continue to nose breathe in sleep. Um, so I actually haven't tried the mouth taping myself. Um, I think I've been meaning to actually give it a try. I don't know if I snore. Um, I don't think <laughs> I do, but 
you know, if I could get better sleep, it would be, you know, all the better. So. Exactly. And, you know, think of your physician said to you, Doug, maybe we should practice some breathing exercises. So I don't have to give you this prescription for ambient, you know what I mean? Or all the other sedatives. Right. And, and according to James Nestor, this is happening more people, Mm -hmm. doctors are recognizing that there's little, what do we call them? Hacks that people are doing to, you know, get benefits, um, that aren't drug interventions, you know? Um, One thing that's interesting about the nose, breathing in and out the nose after I read this book was, can you do exercise while breathing in and out of your nose? Now, can you run on the treadmill? Can you, you know, run on land? And it is challenging, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. Um, But you start to feel how the mind will tell you, well, you're suffocating yourself. You know, you're, you, uh, you know, you got to breathe out of your mouth and you see athletes and he talks about this. You see athletes, you know, huffing and puffing. And then you see the one that's just standing there very calm, just quietly breathing in and out their nose. And so I've been experimenting with that. Like I, I do hiking for my job. And so, you know, we're at different elevations And you start to, your heart rate starts to go up. Can I continue to breathe in and out of my nose? And it is a challenge, but if you're interested in stuff like that, you know, can you make it through your day, just breathing in and out of your nose in your everyday work, Uh, whether that's getting up, walking to the mailbox or, you know, hiking up a set of stairs. I mean, you, you, you can experiment with these things and see, and as with anything, the more you practice it, the better you get at it. And I do have snoring family members. So I have encouraged them <laughs> to tape the mouth and, um, you know, see if they get better sleep, sounder sleep. So uh, that's just, again, one of many things that you can do a little life hack that, uh, could, you know, uh, see, see what the benefits are. Another thing too is in very stressful situations, notice how, what happens with your breath you know, somebody like I was using the car, you know, you're in the car, but even in interactions with people where it becomes kind of heated, can you keep your breath um, under control? You know, cause you start to notice I work in hospitality. So people start to get angry and they start to just, you know, <laughs> and they're, they're, they're losing control, you know? And so for me, it's always like a good indicator, like, okay, this person is starting to hyperventilate. They're going to go off as we say, you know? And um, so when that happens in my life, I just, you know, remind myself, breathe in through my nose, into the diaphragm, you know, uh, pay attention to what's happening in the brain and uh, keep it below the neck. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Damien, you have anything you want to add there? Any, uh, Nope. Ideas from the background. <laughs> um, oh, I will just yeah, say I'm... that um, it's very interesting with uh, the nasal versus mouth breathing. And um, I actually, I find I normally breathe through my nose and I find mouth breathing actually pretty uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it does feel really unnatural to 
to mouth breathe unless you need a lot of air. So um, that's it's it's kind of uh, good to know that um, that I'm not used to mouth breathing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I never even really heard the term mouth breathers, but now it's kind of like this derogatory term yeah, right like yeah. uh oh it's just a mouth breather i'm like what, what does that mean <laughs> you know what i mean but <laughs> but now but now i see kind of that you know and especially having just gone through the last two years where all of a sudden everyone is interested in health you know and what's your health and their health and i mean the fact that about the mask thing right this was the biggest thing for me because like you damien i'm a nose breather I think that came from my yoga training and it was just something that I did every day for years. And it kind of just stuck in a sense. So the mask I could tolerate probably better than a lot of people. Cause I was breathing in and out through my nose and I kind of knew, you know, take less breaths kind of thing, but you know, you see, and again, I work with an older clientele, you see people just, you know, like it's, they're physically having a hard time breathing, period. It doesn't matter whether it's through the nose or through the, through the mouth, but the mask thing just seemed to just set that into a whole nother realm that is so concerning. Yeah, you know terrible. what I mean? I mean, really concerning. And, and I remember thinking like, this is terrible. Like already people have anxiety and issues with breathing. Now we're cutting off most more of their oxygen and making them more anxious and um yeah so there's that <laughs> so i would encourage people and i don't i we're probably getting close to our time and i literally could talk about this for hours because it's something i'm very interested in and something i get a lot of feedback from people on um i always share this story i had an 80 year old woman say to me i've never breathed before you know, that's what she told me after after a class where we practice these in through the nose, out through the mouth, what is called pipe breathing in aerolis, where you pause after the inhale, you pause after the exhale, and it's just uh, four-part breathing, diaphragmatic belly breathing. Again, there's lots of different things, but to actually have people come to you and tell you the benefits that they've experienced from it is very rewarding. Like, oh, it's, this is a good thing. This is, you know, and, um, and then the issue with people having excessive anxiety, you know, like when, again, being in hospitality is a lot of anxiety, um, you know, stop, slow down, take a deep breath. You know, you see it in movies all the time, step back, let him breathe, you know, <laughs> so that, so it's there. But it's like anything, it's so easy, right? People are like, well, that's just too easy. It's just too easy of a fix. Well, yes. I mean, that the human body is an amazing machine that's designed to survive a lot of extreme conditions. You know, uh, we've just become very soft and uh, not aware, no, no awareness at all. And so I can share anything today. It's like, be aware of your, and especially in those tense situations, what's happening to your breathing? How can you remedy the situation a little bit better by just being aware of how you're breathing? And then, um, yeah, in the EE, there are other types of breathing. We won't go into the two for this show, but there's holotropic breathing. There is Kriya yoga, yogic breathing. Um, 
and those are meant to do different things, right? And uh, some of them have major contraindications for sure. Uh, holotropic breathing being one of them. It's not something you just want to do willy nilly with anyone. There's, there is, um, especially as a teacher, there's responsibilities to inform people about these types of, you know, rapid in and out breathing to um, address certain things. A lot of it's emotional trauma issues, and you got to be really careful when you're taking people into those spaces. I mean, even just as a regular yoga teacher, I feel a big sense of responsibility walking through people, walking people through these types of things because they can have emotional breakdowns. They can feel overwhelmed, uh, panic attacks. I mean, that those are all very, uh, real things that happen to people when they start experimenting with their breathing, you know? So I always tell people if it's uncomfortable, just make sure you're breathing in and out. Don't worry so much about in through the nose, out through the mouth, things like that. So, and again, um, it's just suggesting to people to try something that may be beneficial. I think it's beneficial. And uh, this uh, James Nestor <clears throat> has shown through the studies that it's super beneficial. So maybe we can uh, lighten Well, I think we were about to wrap up at this point anyway. So maybe that was the, the dog's way of uh, telling Erica that it's time for us to end. Um, unless, n shake your head if you had more to say, Erica. No. Okay. <laughs> so I think we'll end it there today. Um, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, be sure to, as usual, like, like, subscribe, share around to all your friends. Um, everybody can benefit from uh, breathing properly. So uh, be sure to join us on the next one next week, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.